0: Okay, guys, we've been talking about the topic that we'll continue on for weeks on end, which is that we are priest kings. We are priest kings living out righteousness, power. What's the third one? Peace and joy here on earth, not in the sweet by and by, here on earth, which is, oh, in the Holy Ghost, in the Holy Spirit, which is the evidence of the culture of the kingdom. So this is what we'll be exploring for weeks on end. That we are priest kings. We are called to be priest kings. That Christ called us to be priest kings. Living out righteousness, peace, uh, righteousness, power, peace, joy. And you'll find that in 1 Corinthians 4.20 and Romans 14.17. Righteousness, peace, power and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we're not trying to fabricate or generate this ourselves. It's in the Holy Spirit, and thank God He is present in everyone who's a believer. And we'll do this here on earth, not in heaven. Because this is the evidence of the culture of the kingdom. If you go to Saudi Arabia, there's a culture there. People dress a certain way, behave a certain way. There's a culture to every kingdom, and there is a culture to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. This is the evidence of it. This is the evidence of it. Not worship songs, not churches, not stuff like that. This is the evidence of it. Hey, you know Angelica, right? This is Angelica, in case you forgot her name. Yeah. She's been uh, here a few times, but just in case some of you weren't here. Yeah, which is the evidence of the culture of the kingdom. So that's where... Um, we'll be going for the next few weeks and today we just want to pick on one word and it's this word priest Exodus 19.6 Exodus 19.6 Exodus 19.6 here's what it says Exodus 19.6 although the whole earth is mine you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Although the earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. God spoke this to Israel ages ago. And um, we are the new man. Jews and Gentiles put together in a new man since Christ. This promise still holds good. So here's the thing, guys. I love the way God says it. He doesn't say... If you notice, he doesn't say, you will be for me a kingdom of priests. He's saying, listen, just so you know, I rule the entire world anyways. It's not like I need a kingdom now to be carved out. That's why he says, although I rule the earth. It's almost like saying, although I own all of Vancouver, I'll appoint you to be the governor. It's almost like saying, listen, I don't need you, but I want you. I don't need you, but I want you. It's the heart of the father king. He's not just a king. Guys, remember one thing. You can never separate fatherhood from anything God is. The moment you do, you will get a God who is not fully God. I know that sounds almost blasphemous, but that's the case. Yeah. So, you cannot remove the fatherness of God from anything. Even when you think of him as king, you have to remember him as father. So here's the heart of the father saying, although I own or rule the entire earth, all the earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And so guys, as we approach this, think of it this way, that I have a fearful, no, I have the the fearful privilege and responsibility. I have the fearful privilege and responsibility of being a priest to the Most High God. I have the fearful privilege and re- responsibility. What, I, what do I mean by fearful privilege? As in both revered and yet handled with care. It's, it's a call upon your life. It's a call upon your life. It's like... Uh, I mean, I, 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 let's, let's take again the king of Saudi Arabia. He says to you, listen... I own all of Saudi Arabia, but even though I own all of Saudi Arabia, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to appoint you as my regent or as one who conducts things on my behalf, even though I can choose anybody. And you are not skilled at all, Matt, but I will appoint you. I'll I'll appoint you. And therefore, then you have in that kingdom the fearful privilege and responsibility of serving the ultimate king who can be a tyrant if he wants to, a despot if he wants to, or benign and benevolent if he wants to. Fortunately our king is super benevolent. Though the very idea of the word Lord which comes from this Greek word Kyrios means despot and yet he is not. We call him Lord because we want to say you are absolutely sovereign and he calls us not vassals or servants, he calls us sons. Strange God this this. You can never remove fatherhood from him. You remove fatherhood from God in any aspect that he is and you will ruin who he is. This is why Israel could not get Jehovah right. They could never understand Yahweh because they didn't have the concept of Yahweh as father. I have the fearful privilege and responsibility of being a priest of the Most High God. Uh, It'll take a while before that marinates in me. But uh, that is something you or I can do. So how must we be if we are called to be priests? So here are a few things that we can go over. You'll be surprised at how quickly we may finish, but then again, you never know. First thing priests are. And I'm sure we'll visit priests again, but this is just like um, basic priest stuff. First things priests are, they are incarnate. Priests are incarnate. As in, live. they live in the midst of a people. They live in the midst of a people, and I love this phrase, and they telescope God. They live in the midst of a people and they telescope God. They telescope God. They bring God who is distant into near sight. That's what telescopes do. Look at stars that are super far away, that are a speck in the sky, and then suddenly you see everything in the star. Priests live in the midst of people and they telescope God through a display of who he is in your own lives. And the moment you do that, what happens is it begins to draw people around you to want to know your God personally. What do you think happened to Kamal? Ages ago, nine years ago, Anne uh, came to this uh, church when we used to meet at Richmond and she said, okay, uh, can you uh, perhaps have a Bible study in our house? And, uh, pardon? not exactly no? no so I said that's good Ann but I won't have it till Kamal uh, I take Kamal's permission so then I called Kamal up and Kamal had already spoken to Anne about it but there was no question of going to Ann's house without taking Kamal's mm-hmm. permission and Kamal was pretty into about it so Kamal started just coming for the Bible studies nothing else and uh, then uh, we used to go for hockey games together um which used to be a lot of fun. Uh, I remember once, uh, I, I was sitting next to him and I had popcorn in my hand and I offered Kamal some popcorn. And there was this really yuppie looking guy on my right, thought should offer him popcorn too, so I offered him popcorn, but the bag was a little heavy and it fell all over him. <laughs> and I looked and Kamal's sitting this way. He's not even <laughs> looking at me. So uh, I went through many a persecution before <laughs> we got to where we got to. But. So we used to go to hockey games together, and every Bible study you could see him beginning to grasp, because God was being made evident through his wife, through his daughter-in-law, through his uh, through the people who were coming for the Bible study, and through your <laughs> wonderful pastor. We must throw his name in too. And so, <laughs> and so, at, at one point I remember this was uh, four or five years ago. We were f- pastor was very humble. Thank you, Sue. I come sometimes forget my qualities. And so, um, um, we were at um, Ross Street, and uh, we are having this uh, church uh, service, and suddenly, Kamal stands up and says, so, what does it take to become a member here? I that. Out of the blue. Hmm. And we don't know how to answer that question, because no one had ever asked that question. And then he gets baptized. And now you should see him, how active he is, and how... Uh, how heartfully he prays. The point, why am I picking on Kamal? Because he was someone who came from a different faith. And then has moved now to being someone who belongs to Christ. What was it that changed him? It wasn't a sermon man. He never attended any sermons. It was simply telescoping God to the point where he became, su- to the point that he was attracted to this Christ. That's what changed him. He was attracted to Christ. That's one thing priests do, eh? That's one thing priests do. Guys, think of this. What attracted people to Jesus? If you do a study of the Gospels, you will see four things that attracted people to Jesus. You you go through the Gospels and these four things you'll see are the reason why people came to Jesus. Every time you read, you'll see, aha, this thing. Aha. This thing. Aha, this thing. And I forgot the last aha. Aha, this thing. These were the four things that kept attracting um, people to Jesus. People would gather around him for these four reasons. And so moving on to the next point. No. (laughs) So the first thing that you'll find in the Gospels that always caught people's attention was Always, guys. Power. Jesus exuded, exhibited, um, allowed power to flow out of him. And, uh, isn't it? S- we'll go there later. The next one. They'd be fascinated at his knowledge or his wisdom. They would say stuff like, I mean, people would gather around him just to hear. Because he would speak like, I mean, there were many Trumps in those days, but he would speak With such wisdom. I had to throw that in. Thirdly, compassion. This was something that moved people. I mean, as you look through the Gospels, you'll see this, eh? And the last one, yeah, joy. Four things that really drew people to Jesus. He was the ultimate priest. They called him a priest after Melchizedek, after the order of Melchizedek, which we'll talk about another time. But here are the four things that are vital to priesthood here on earth. And isn't it such a shame that perhaps the only thing that we are known for as priests, I'm not talking about us necessarily, but the church at large, that we are known for is this Christians are known for compassion. But they're not known for power or wisdom or joy necessarily. In fact, these score pretty low, man. And you'll find this was literally the order in which people were attracted to him. Many went to him because he, they, had, they knew he had the power of the Spirit present on him to set them free from the harassment of the devil. They knew he had wisdom that they'd never heard of that seemed to give them answers and lift them up from their misery. They knew he had joy, Even though he was a man of sorrows, he was joyful. Fishermen don't hang around fat people. And then they knew he had compassion. And these four guys are so important to being priests incarnate here on earth. Cultivate these, eh? PWCJ. PWCJ. And don't make any excuses for this. Oh, you know, um, when revival comes, power will come. No, revival is not coming. Reformation is coming. We'll talk about that another day. I want to show you this really cool verse that I came across. I didn't know it was in the Bible, though I knew it was in the Bible. Go to Second Kings 17. I haven't read this verse for, I think, 15 or 16 years. Second Kings 17. 24 to 28. 24 to 28. Second Kings seventeen twenty four to twenty eight. Okay, reading from the N I V. The king of Assyria brought people from Babylon, Cutha, Ava, Hamath, and Sepharvaim, and settled, pardon, all those, all those places, and settled them in the towns of Samaria, to replace the Israelites. They took over Samaria and lived in its towns. When they first lived there. They did not worship the Lord. Uh, this is how the Old Testament will always portray it as God sending lions because they didn't know the character of God. So he sent lions among them and they killed some of the people. It was reported to the king of Assyria the people you deported and resettled in the towns of Samaria do not know what the God of that country requires. He has sent lions among them which are killing them off because the people do not know what he requires. Look at what the king of Assyria says. Then the king of Assyria gave this order. Have one of the priests you took captive from Samaria go back to live there and teach the people what the God of the land requires. So this king comes, empties some Israelite towns and brings in his own people and the lions start ravaging them. And he doesn't know how to solve it. So he says, hey, go back to those captives that you took. Get some priests from among them and send the priests back into this land because the priests will teach the new people how to live in the land so that they can worship the God of the land and so that peace can come. What do you think you're being sent for, man? Let the priests go and dwell there and teach them the law of the God of the land. There's a simple thing that I saw recently which really bothered me so I wasn't going to present it right now but I will. This is your house or your workplace or your work table or your whatever wherever you spend most of your time and the question asked by this man was do you know the people around you? And I was trying to figure it out and I realized, I don't know all the people on my floor, man. So if this is Jacob's house, where he spends most of his time, because let's not go into why. Uh, So (laughs) if that's his house, does he know the people around him? Because priests are sent back to the land that they live in, so that the people there may not be ravaged by lions, but maybe brought to know the ways of the God of the land. The God of Vancouver is the same Christ we just worshipped, eh? Priests being sent back to the land. I just love that verse. Any questions before we move on? Cultivate these things, though. Power, wisdom, compassion, joy. Compassion ain't enough. The Rotary Club does that, too. Any questions, guys? Power as in um, being able to let the power of God flow through you to set people free. So if you go to Acts 10.38, Acts 10.38, you've got to put your name in there. Acts 10.38, beautiful verse, answers Shireen's question. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. How God anointed Jacob of Marple with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with Jacob. That's how it works. Any other questions? Yeah, I guess, Gisela, our problem is we know all that, but the power is not flowing. And so we need... I, I think it's much more than that. I mean, uh, you think uh, I have... Or you have any hesitation in wanting this to happen? And yet, do we see it happening the way we want to see it happening? No. I want to do whatever it is that the Father requires of me to come into that place, eh? Whatever it is. so that So that we begin to... Work like that. Guys, where we are at ain't enough. This is ankle-deep water. This isn't good enough. And it's not a... God's report card for us is not negative, guys. But God is saying, come up higher, come up higher. Because the ultimate intent of God is not that we be better than somebody else. The ultimate intent of God is conform to the nature and the stature of Christ himself. And therefore, when that is the ceiling... Trust me, we are ankle-deep water right now. But we'll praise God that he... uh, There are two ways you can teach a dog a trick. Either hold the stick this low and say, jump, Fido, jump, and Fido will jump. And you'll clap and give him some stuff to eat, but you'll never get to the Westminster uh, dog show. And then there is, you hold it this high, and you teach him how to jump higher. Those dogs win. I pray, God, that we never have people jump here. May we always be stretching beyond our ability to do things. There's no way you can birth a baby if you don't stretch. That's what people tell me. Go ahead, Diana. But praise God, now that we've been around for 10 years... Yeah, I agree, Diana. The next one, guys, is invite. Priests invite. Priests invite. Hey, Matt, for me too, please. Uh, two would be fine. Invite. Guys, priests pro- proclaim the truth of God revealed in Christ and the cross. Priests proclaim the truth of God revealed in Christ and the cross. This is something Gisela is very good at. Priests proclaim the truth of God Revealed in Christ and the cross. We can't avoid. Guys, here's the thing, eh? Thanks, Matt. Fill fill the blanks. Good. Diana's on her game today. She's not even asking questions; just giving answers. Oh, for days like this. So, (laughs) good news of great joy rarely do we think of the gospel as, we, we, we think of the gospel as, it's good news, do you want to hear it? No, no, good news of great joy, great joy, good news of great joy. Hey, we know it, because you can see how our lives have been completely great joyed. I used to be pretty, I'm, there are still days when I'm miserable, but I used to be pretty miserable before I became a believer, man. Good news of great joy. I was, I was reading that just a couple of days ago. John Piper had written it and I was thinking to myself, Father, I have stopped thinking of good news as good news of great joy. I just think of it as good news in a world of bad news. But it changes a person. Priests have to revisit the proclamation of the truth revealed in Christ and the cross, which we can't avoid, eh? Modern churches avoid, and by modern churches I mean Acts 29, avoid Christ and the cross. We've got to get back to being able to say it. I know we've talked about this before. Invite people from the nations to accept, confess, receive Christ. Second Corinthians 5.20 says, But don't you know that I have appointed you to be ambassadors who go out and appeal on my behalf that the earth may be reconciled to the Father. Uh, that's not exactly what it says. Second Corinthians 5.20. It says... 520. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Guys, if you take out the foolishness from the gospel, it will not be the power of God unto salvation. Hear me again. I'm really trying to learn this in my life at present. If you take out the foolishness Of the gospel. What do we mean by the gospel? What does the word gospel mean? The words and the works of Christ. The good news of Christ. The words and the works of Christ. If you take out foolishness from the words and the works of Christ, it is no longer the power of God unto salvation. May I suggest to you that guys like Joel Osteen and others have taken the foolishness out of the works and the words of Christ, and therefore it's no longer the power of God unto salvation; it is the power of God unto living a better life and feeling nice about yourself. You know, it's amazing the People, having anybody rejects when I tell them. You know what? I have something wonderful to tell you that God loves you so much. refuse refuse to remove foolishness out of the gospel guys mm-hmm. refuse to remove it, so what was the of it? if you if if yeah. re, it, first Corinthians 1:18 says to some it is foolishness to others it's the power of salvation yeah. if you remove foolishness out of the gospel it is no longer the power of salvation because a wise God has used absolute weakness and foolishness to save the world and he will not change his method mm-hmm. he will not change the method. Next one, intercede. Intercede. Priests intercede. Priests intercede. And guys, um, there's this beautiful verse in the message uh, version of John 17:19. It says, "Be truth consecrated in your mission." Be John 17:19. Be truth consecrated in your mission be truth consecrated in your mission or in other words be separated to the truth in your mission be separated to the truth in your mission be truth consecrated in your mission because what often happens when it comes to intercession is we intercede based on the need we see while God is saying if you want to intercede, you must identify with my truth and my intent in people's lives, and not with perceived needs. Seventeen, nineteen, John, seventeen, nineteen. Yeah. I intercession is not intercession unless unless it intercedes according to the will of God. It cannot intercede according to needs. I had this strange um, healing uh, thing that... It wasn't even healing. Eh? This 16-year-old l- in a remote village in Indonesia comes up with a mother and she's got migraines and she comes up and she says, can you pray for my daughter? She's got these splitting migraines. And um, so normally when you someone has a splitting migraines, you pray for the migraines. But here's what God's answer was. All he said was ask her if she wears, if she was prescribed glasses. So I asked the mother whether she was prescribed glasses, and she said yes. Uh, But the mother said she does not like wearing them because she thinks she looks ugly. And uh, I surely heard the Lord saying, "Tell her to wear her glasses, and her migraines will go away." I'm thinking to myself, "But can't you heal her migraines?" But it doesn't matter. Intercede according to His will, not not according to perceived needs. We intercede according to perceived needs, and our knowledge is so limited. Our knowledge is so limited. We intercede according to the will of God. And if people don't like it, too bad they can find another intercessor that will scratch their itching ears. But not you. We can't intercede based on expectations that come from our history or perceived needs. Sometimes we intercede based on expectations that we have based on our history. When I had this disease... I took this and that and this and prayed and it worked. So now that this person has a disease, I will go and advise this person saying, do this, this and this because this happened to me and this happened to that person and it worked out so you know, do it too. That's, that's not intercession. That's coming up with expectations based out of your history. Since when did your history count when it comes to intercession? It doesn't. Sorry I'm coming out a little nasty, but it doesn't. You intercede on behalf of the person according to the will of God. Different strokes for different folks, man. It's amazing how different God is in solving situations for peoples. Only then can we reform and heal and restore peoples, situations, nations. Only then can we reform and restore peoples, situations, and nations. Guys, this is important, eh? You are priest-kings. Consider it a fearful privilege and responsibility. Half the time I don't... <laughs> I don't know why I'm confessing too many things today. Half the time I don't take calls from certain people. And I'm not talking about you, him, calling me. That was different. Uh, Don't think of any calls that happened this week. I'm talking about other calls. Half the time I don't take calls from people because I know the question they're going to ask and I don't have the answer. And I need time. So when I receive a call or an email, I I won't answer because I'm so scared to give an answer that is pointless. I have to know the answer that the Father has. Otherwise, what do you give, man? You can give people nice verses, but really... Anybody can do that. You are a priest. You have to answer according to his will. The other thing with intercession, guys, priests shared a commonality with the people that they were with. You can't intercede unless you have a commonality with people. Just remember that. You cannot intercede unless you have a commonality with people. Jesus was like that. It says in uh, Hebrews 5, verses 1 and 2. Hebrews 5, 1 and 2. Every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters related to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray since he himself is subject to weakness. Beautiful. Commonality with people. Yesterday, Ranita's sisters uh, had invited um, a whole lot of relatives and friends and some of the guys from Acts 29 for a surprise 50th birthday for Ranita. And uh, so um, I was there and um, uh, Anne and Elmer were there and the sisters did all the inviting and Wayne and Bernice were there. And uh, my mom was there. And so um, one of the things that really uh, that really caught my eye and as soon as I saw it, I started doing the same thing too, was you had the relatives huddled together, you had the young people huddled together and you had, then you had Acts 29 huddled together. But there was one guy who kept looking for people to talk to, and that was Wayne. He wouldn't sit with us. He would go plonk himself uh, in the middle of a conversation, and he'd start guffawing with them, telling them how um, uh, I wasn't eavesdropping. Uh, But uh, uh, Wayne Wayne refused to huddle in the holy huddle. He Yeah, and once I saw that, I thought to myself, man, you're the pastor. What are you doing sitting here? So I got up and I started moving around. The point I'm trying to make is this, guys. As priests, we must have a commonality with ones who are not like us. There's an empathy that begins to come up then. Go ahead, Diana. As in... um, The world has to see a Jesus through you that is so normal and so not holy and yet holy where we don't have enclaves where this this is us and this is them where there's a easy movement and yesterday what Wayne was doing was exactly that he was going and sitting with people he didn't know and then acting like he knew them for about 10 years so, had to do the same thing. Got to do that. Christians are. Remember that. Uh, remember that thing I read out ages ago. That oh, the perception of what Christians are. That they are an inclusive, homophobic bunch of guys, who think they are always right, and think that the rest of the world is going to hell, and are actually gleeful about it. I think there's so much truth to that. At least some areas and that's not who we need to be. Priests are to empathize those that they represent and we are not representing ourselves right? Christ does that for us we are representing him to ones that don't know him yet any questions before we move on? I mean look at Jesus' friends he chose the wrong company man what he used to do was scandalous huh? if you went and did stuff like that I would question really that's what you did but the stuff he did was it was <laughs> so wrong I was talking to the young adults and telling them what if what if you were at Mark and Rhonda's place or uh, what, you, what if you were at um, Where do we normally go for things? Yeah, it doesn't matter. W- imagine you were at Mark and Ronda's place and suddenly um, we're having this barbecue outside in the yard and suddenly in walks this uh, um, prostitute. You know she's a prostitute. She has a reputation there. And she just falls down at your feet. and um, Pick on any other guys and falls down at your feet and then starts wiping your feet with her hair. The rest of us would freak out, man. It would be like scandalous. What's wrong with you? Tell her to leave or stop, allow, don't let her do it, move away. Stuff like this would happen. What do you think people thought when that happened to Jesus? They They were thinking exactly that we've sterilized Jesus. Our Jesus is a very sterile version of who he really was. And I pray God that Hebrews 5, 1 and 2 resounds again. Can someone read it from the message? It might come out actually looking, hearing, uh, sounding really good. Hebrews 5, 1 and 2, as loud as you can. I feel good saying, I was talking to the young adults. Hebrews 5, 1 and 2 from the message, please, loudly. Oh. Every high priest selected to represent men and women before God and offer sacrifices for their sins should be able to do something with their failures. If he knows what he says, then he's always Huh. That kind of puts it very succinctly. That's all? Hebrews 5, 1 and 2? I guess it doesn't have 1 and 2, right? Because it's a message. Yeah, just go a little more. Okay, I think the NIV is better. Thanks, May. Every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters related to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He's able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray since he himself is subject to their weakness. I love it. that That's how we're supposed to be. Moving on. Uh, two more and we're done. Instruct. Instruct. Priests are supposed to instruct. Matt, I need some help. I don't know what I'm supposed to do or what you're supposed to do, but if you can help, that's great. Thanks. 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 Thank you, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Can I have some more volume, please? Thank you. Yeah. Okay. All right, guys, instruct Malachi 2.7. Beautiful verse, Malachi 2.7. A priest is a messenger of God. Can you even imagine thinking of yourself like that? That I, as a priest, am a messenger of who? Of Of who? Of this most high God. A priest is a messenger of God. Uh, we have a common priest today. Guys, this is uh, applicable to every believer. That's a crazy part because we don't normally think so. Malachi two seven, a priest is a messenger of God. Then it says, his lips should guard knowledge and teach the truth. His lips should guard knowledge and teach the truth. In other versions it says, instruction must be founded on his lips so that people can seek instruction and guidance. Hey, where are we at in that, guys? I pray God that every day we increase, eh, where people come and they find knowledge, and instruction and guidance on our lips. That's what we're being called to, any and every believer here. And this is God speaking t- to Malachi and telling him this. And how do you guard and teach the truth? Second Timothy two fifteen. Second Timothy two fifteen. How do you guard and teach the truth? Second Timothy two fifteen. 2 Timothy 2.15 And here's what it says. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. I can't guard what is false because there's no point. I can't speak the truth and give guidance and instruct if I don't know how to divide the word correctly one of the one of the um, benefits of being in a church is that you get to learn the truth so that you can instruct others. you guard and teach the truth by correctly handling and dividing the word of truth and, and there 's only two things necessary for that guys and this applies to all of us: teachability where in galatians two two I love what Paul says Paul says he had a revelation from God, and so he had this revelation from God and for fourteen years after he first starts having these revelations from God, he decides to go to Jerusalem. Why? Not because he wanted to see um, Golgotha and stuff like that. He's going to Jerusalem because he wants to speak to the apostles there. Why? Because he wants to make sure that the revelation he saw is actually from God and that he wasn't running his race in vain. And so he goes to Jerusalem, sits with the apostles, talks to them saying, Hey, is what I'm preaching right? one of the first signs of falsehood entering anyone's life is when they are no longer teachable. Guys, guard against that, eh? Wolves in sheep clothing are first identified by falsehood that comes and begins devouring. That's how wolves devour. A lack of teachability or instruction, be it the pastor or anybody else. The moment you see that Jacob is unteachable, find another church. Because you cannot guard the truth or instruct if you are not teachable. Any questions, guys? Hey, am I saying something wrong? Everybody seems very quiet. Check your teachability quotient, eh? Check your teachability quotient, as in, how teachable are you? Instruction will be found on your lips and you will be able to guard the truth when you are teachable. And the second question is, if you think you are teachable, who is instructing you? And if you say the Holy Spirit, then my next question is, who is he using? That's the way to find out. Okay, the last one. Yep. True. Yeah. Be a Berean. Where on one hand, anything that is taught has to match up with the word. Two, go and before you commit to being taught, find out if the place or the person that you are learning from is kosher. And you can only learn that again by being a Berean, as in going back to the word and seeing, does this match up with the word? And if it doesn't match up with the word, and you can't find it in one shot. eh? You cannot go to a place or sit with a person for one Sunday, and find out whether this person is preaching the truth or not. You've got to be at a place for a while before you begin to figure out, huh, this doesn't match up. Shucks, this doesn't match up. Man, I'm seeing a pattern over a few weeks now. This doesn't match up. And then you know, okay, I've got to be guarded in my ability to um, take everything that is being spoken. But once you find a place like that, then there will still be errors, but at least you know that the progression is always towards truth. Because you you cannot learn from a person who is not teachable, guys. You cannot learn from a person who is not teachable. You can you will you will not prosper if you learn from a person who is not teachable. So if you think I'm not teachable, you must find another church. Because at some point I lead you astray. Does that answer your question? Kind of? Okay. Last one. Increase. Acts 6 7. Acts 6 7. You know, NIV says so the word of God spread but you know what it actually says the sense of it is and the word of God continued to increase and the word of God continued to increase how does the word of God increase that's what they've said um, NIVC has spread but the actual sense of it is the word of God continued to increase how does the word of God increase greater understanding Power to change. Revelation. I'm looking for one more. You're right on all three, but one more. I didn't understand. Explain some more. Nice, Acts. That's a. That's one more thing that we need to add to the three things that were said, guys. The word of God increases through the faith of those that believe the word and prove it. The Word of God increases through the faith of those who believe the Word and prove it. Because it has to be seen, guys. The Word has to be made flesh. Jesus made the Word flesh. Now it is the turn of Jesus' body, you and I, to make the Word flesh. The Word of God increases when those that believe the Word prove it. That is how it increases, guys. The word of God increases through all the things you mentioned and the faith of those who believe the word and prove it. That's one of the things priests must do, eh? The word must become flesh. The message must become the messenger. I know these are cliches, but they are good cliches, man. The word must become flesh. One thing Eddie keeps repeating every time, every second time I speak to him, the word must become flesh in you, Jacob. The word must become flesh in you. Priests must... Display the word. And the last thing that falls under, increase. Guys, you and I have the... You don't know how powerful we are in this, guys. You don't know how powerful the weakest Christian in this room is in this. And I don't know what qualifies you to be the weakest Christian or the strongest. We have the powerful... We have the... um, we have the power to bestow upon people increase through blessing them. There is great power that every Christian possesses to bless. I mean, one of the reasons I immediately agreed to sing The Lord Bless You over Isaiah and Finn was because it was something that was given to Moses ages ago in Numbers chapter 6, verses 26 to 28, where it says, And listen, Aaron. This is the priestly blessing that I want you to declare on Israel. And as you begin to speak these words, Aaron, this is what I will do. I will put my name upon them. And so say to them, the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And may the Lord make his face to shine upon you. And as I spoke this priestly prayer over us right now, God says, here's what I'll do, Jacob. I will put my name upon everybody that you spoke this over. And what does he mean by put my name? As in, I will put my influence upon them. Guys, you don't know the power of the privilege of the privilege of the power we have in unleashing blessing. There is a moment in 2 Samuel 6 where David does something so you should not do it. He's a king. He's just brought the Ark of the Covenant through the streets of Jerusalem and set it up under a tent on Mount Zion. And then he disrobes while he is bringing the in. He takes off his kingly garments and now he is only dressed in linen. And linen was worn by priests. This has never been done before because there was a clear de- demarcation between kings and priests. Kings would never mess with priestly stuff. Priests would never mess with kingly stuff. We saw that with Saul. Saul offered a sacrifice he was not supposed to offer. And yet David, in this moment of favor and knowing the mind of God, decides that he's going to wear linen. And then what does he do? In second Samuel six seventeen onwards, he begins to offer sacrifices. And God is okay with it. God doesn't do anything. He begins to offer sacrifices. And then what does he do? He gathers all the people and he begins to bless them. How? He blesses them and then he takes loaves of raisin and cake and bread and distributes it. It was like serving communion, man. And who's doing it? Not a priest but a king. And who are we? We are called to be priest kings. We looked at that four weeks ago. The privilege we have of blessing and increasing people just through words of our mouth that come from the heart of God. It's a form of intercession. Guys, I heard Charles Stanley say this recently. Jesus didn't say, I want you to become the light of the world. He didn't say, I want you to become the salt of the earth. He said, you are... (laughs) You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Guys, go forth this week and be light and salt, not to Christians, but to ones who do not know Christ yet, but whose price has been paid and who are made in the image of God. Become light and salt and bless. Be priests, eh? Be priests this week, man. Be priests. Go ahead, Rhonda. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. What's the name? Okay. That's the brilliance of this, guys. We get opportunities every week. Eh? It's sad how we uh, is, the, is is the word commiserate? commiserate? Yeah. With the misery a person is in. Oh, really? uh, City Hall did that to you? Man, you know, I've heard some stories about City Hall. And you just put a little more fuel and Then he starts really ranting. Oh, really? That's what ICBC said to you? Ah! Oh, really? That's what the TELUS operator said to you? Ah! (laughs) And so... (laughs) (laughs) So... So... That's what we do, eh? That's not where we should go. We should go the other way. Guys, move in the opposite spirit of the world. The world cannot do it. There's only a small group that is growing larger every day called light and salt that can do it amen and pour it out eh because it's an inexhaustible inheritance after diana just one sec she left it hand. yes yeah, she did yeah, but just, but yeah sorry i didn't know that thanks diana Awesome. Awesome. Well done. Mm-hmm. Well done. Go ahead, Sue. Uh, so God gave me this um, idea to pray over my students with the parents every morning. Uh-huh. Um, and we pray and ask bless them to try huh. and not to just survive. Yeah. Miracles huh. after miracles after miracles this year. Praise God. Um, on Tuesday, a, a student fell and uh, dislocated the shoulder. Shoulder. So, okay. Praise God, man. These seem impossible. But praise God. Praise God. Praise God. God. Guys, do this with the power of just blessing, eh? It's a simple thing to do. Simple thing to do. So, Father, we thank you for the um, fearful privilege. And by fearful, what I simply mean is we come and take it not as granted, but with great reverence we come and wear this privilege, this fearful privilege and responsibility of being priests who can have a commonality with the people around us, yet be truth consecrated unto you. To be able to intercede for people, not according to perceived needs, but according to your will, so that your good plans will come to pass for them. To be able to invite people without removing foolishness from the gospel which must reveal the cross in Christ. To be, incarnate, to be incarnate, to understand that you have sent us into this land to bless people. And then to open our mouths and find opportunities this week to bless To go beyond God bless. To say something a little more than that, Father. Because even rap stars, when they receive uh, awards at the Grammys, say God. No, no, no. Say a little more than that, Father. And then, Father, to be teachable so that instruction and knowledge can be found on our lips so that we can be ones who can guide people into greater truths in you. And so we bring this Lisa to you, Father. And we bless her. We thank you that your plans for her are to thrive and not to survive. We thank you that you always have a father's heart, even to those who don't know you. And so we ask, Father, that in your fatherness, in your kindness, in your, um, in all that you are, would you now begin to open doors for her? And yet, while the doors are opening, would you give her the strange peace that comes from the blessing that? Rhonda has pronounced and that we now pronounce over her. We pronounce it on behalf of the God of the universe in whom all things are consisted and whose Holy Spirit is at work in the lives of people before we even pray. And we thank you. Nobody that crosses our paths this week will be an accident. These are divine encounters set up by you for us to deliver what you want. We are your delivery system this week. We are God's delivery system this week. And we will thrive in it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys.